Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Yes, sir. And Sam Zigmeister, Ziggy Rodriguez. Yeah. And uh, we are we're gonna keep talking about our decalogue for evangelization. I'm excited because we're getting towards the end. Yeah, I'm really wire. excited. I think we're getting t- <laughs> we're getting we're well, I'm getting tired of this, this whole evangelizing thing. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> so please don't turn off the radio in disgust. Um uh, I love evangelization. Woe and to us if we don't proclaim the gospel. Woe, yes, the woes. Uh, the woes have it, and so we um, we're gonna. I'll rattle through the uh, the ten basic principles that I have found to be most effective in communicating the gospel, the charisma, that message that we need to communicate to those who I find myself ministering to. And so I just had a ended a sentence in a preposition. I shouldn't have done that, but anyway, um, number one, know Jesus and make Him known. That's a basic, simple truth, reality. That's where the Decalogue. For evangelization starts. Uh, then number two is meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. Uh, number three is live for the future in the present, informed by history. Uh, number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, teach a man to fish. Number eight, salvation is born of the family. Number nine, it makes a difference to this one. That's the show today. Yep, there you go. And number 10, there is a God and I am not him or he. We'll discuss that grammatically next week. But we're talking about number nine here. It makes a difference to this one. All righty. How many of you have ever gone to, like, um, I don't know, the restroom at somebody else's house? Yes. <clears throat> right? It's and my you, favorite thing to do. I know, I know. And you go in there and, like... And, and you, it's, you're at a party, and there's always a little candle lit. It's always a nice little sort of nice uh, retreat. Yeah, uh, like to a go spa. in there, right? It's like a spa. Yeah, and they got they usually have stacks of of like paper towels. Right, I like that. Yeah, and so you go in there, and there's like all kinds of stuff on the walls, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you'll see these little motivational stories and sayings, and sometimes they'll be like really nice because it'll be like some kind of religious thing and you know we've seen the one with the the footprint story you know with jesus can't, walking i can't wait to hear where you go in, in this well i've seen up there this little story <laughs> is it the hang in there kitten where he's like hanging off the, no, 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 no. the starfish on the this beach? is the, that's oh! exactly it yeah, yes and so that's where this it makes a difference to this one comes that's from right I know most of you have heard this little story, this little motivational thing. I don't know where it came from. It's not scripture, certainly, but it's just, you know, it's 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 a kind of a neat story the first time you hear it, but after 57,493, you're kind of like, okay, whatever. But I think it, it's, a, it's a principle that's very important mm-hmm. to evangelization, right? And so, obviously, the story is this little boy uh, is on the beach, and there's thousands of starfish. Some We don't know the... The mysteries of nature. Tens of thousands of stars. Right. And so there's tens of thousands of, they, that all wash up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this little boy is throwing these back into the ocean one at a time. And I guess there's some kind of ne'er do well, kind of doubting Thomas, whatever. Some guy comes old along. Geezer. An old geezer, a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. A curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll say the curmudgeon comes up and says, What are you, what are you doing that for? I mean, you, you can't save them all. You know, right. make a difference. Right, and so then the the kid says it makes a difference to this one, 
right? And then psh, tosses it up there. Gets the it's kind of like a mic drop, but it's Put a starfish drop. You know, he does a starfish drop on that one. Um, now that story doesn't work as well if it's like beached whales. Right, so so don't try to imagine like an entire beach filled with whales and some little boy trying to talk. And if there's a bunch of Portuguese man of war that have have washed up, be careful. Yes, you need to have protective gloves on if you're going to do that. But the but the point is, and why it it fits perfectly into, and why it's one of my decalogue for evangelization, you know, points that I, I remember is because. It, it makes a difference one at a time. And so what that should tell us is there is you're not going to save everybody. Mm-mm. That's the first and foremost thing. If you're, if you're evangelizing, your job is not, it's like, it's not sheer numbers. Your, your job is not to go out and say, like, I need to save everyone. Right. Right. So you can't mass produce salvation. Well, actually, the only, the only person that can, right, is one of the three persons of the, the Holy Trinity. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only, that's the only mass uh, I guess maybe to play on words, mass. Hey-o. Yeah. So, but but the but the point is, when you're evangelizing, when I'm evangelizing, I, I can't be thinking like my job is to save everyone in this room. Right. Right. We we certainly realize that we're planting seeds, but but the best evangelizing I think I've ever done is something that's done on a one-on-one individual basis, mm-hmm. and I realize that the person that I'm talking to. Because we've done we've done stories or we've done episodes about meeting people where they are and and making things relevant, right? Um, and salvation is born of the family and understanding that each individual you're talking to is a unique individual, not only scientifically with DNA and fingerprints and all that stuff, but also you know handcrafted and created by a loving God as a unique being. Mm-hmm. So that means they have unique attributes, unique. Uh, circumstances and, and they're in a unique environment and that you are now like visiting them in that environment wherever they're, they're, whatever black cloud they may have over their head I mean you are now going in under that black cloud you're going to get a little rained on mm-hmm. but you, you need to understand that when you're evangelizing you, you should not be setting your sights on on numbers Right. your job is not to bring in the numbers now wouldn't that be lovely right mm-hmm. so you think about some of these wonderful televangelists and these these guys that you know have a viewership of 50 million people you know when Billy Graham was doing his thing and doing his crusades and I'm not saying there's anything bad about what Billy Graham was doing I'm just saying that if you and even Billy Graham I think would have told you that would have agreed with me here that if he had set his sights on like saving the most people possible and that really his value was in an essentially mass producing evangelization mm-hmm. he would he would say no 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 i mean ultimately it comes down to that one soul created by god who needs to hear the message well mother teresa has obviously accomplished great things throughout the world and has done um, you know evangelization on an epic scale right but what a lot of folks don't realize is the building blocks of what she accomplished was doing small things with great love. It was Therese of Lisieux, The Little Way. Yeah, I was getting ready to go The Little Way because that's exactly, you know, doing small things. You know, and it's like, and, and that's really how you accomplish great big things. So that's, that's also part of this. It makes a difference. It matters to this one. Mm-hmm. Right? I just, I, just, I just helped this one get back in the water. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And so um, and, and that helps us to realize a lot of other things. Cause, so now if we expand that idea... 
in terms of evangelization. There's lots of sort of corollaries to this mm-hmm. principle. And one of them is it's not one size fits all. Mm. Right, so evangelization is not one size fits all. It's like I've only got one speed. It's loud and it's going to be boisterous and it's going to be I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm going to here's how I'm going to do. I'm going to walk down this path and I'm going to prove them with all this scripture and then I'm going to show them how this is whatever. And then at the end of that, they have no, they have there's nothing they can do but to agree with me. And so I've I've evangelized that person. It's like you really haven't because it's not one size fits all. I've I've encountered so many people walking into a situation thinking, well, as I size this up, Lord, help me understand this person. And I'm thinking, I I, I can start down this path. And it's not long before I realize, well, that wasn't the path. Mm -hmm. They either reject it outright or I missed the boat in terms of what they understand or what they desire. Uh, And I wasn't able to connect with them because I had come with a preconceived idea that like, if I just go down this path, this is going to work. Right, I know there's things that are more successful than others when you're when you're evangelizing things that you've got, let's say in your back pocket. Like, I'm gonna pull out John chapter six. Here it goes, you know. And it's like it does work, but the reality is, what happens when they're not ready to hear John chapter six? Right. What if they don't even believe in God? What if they're like like so disgusted with with the world and their situation that first they need to have a dose of some kind of compassion and mercy from a human being? Right. Right. Well, that's a whole different situation. And so one size doesn't fit all when you're evangelizing. You know, one thing that I've come to see within the body of Christ is, you know, this question of who is Jesus? We're not going to have the full answer to that question until the last member of his body crosses over to the fullness of his glory on the very last day, because each one of us is called to be a member of his body. We're all faces of Jesus and you know each of us in our unique personhood manifests Christ in a way that's unique to us that's why sometimes you have those loud street preachers and sometimes you have the really quiet maybe uh, sister religious you have lots of different flavors of holiness that are out there but they're all Jesus and so we're called to be that piece of Jesus that we are called to be and to connect with all the other little pieces of Jesus and help them be fully actualized in Christ to the extent that we're called to and able to I feel an incredible desire to say amen real loud I think Sam is that mouth part <laughs> He's the the itinerant like street the preacher, one of the toes, maybe the piggy. Well, yeah, the again, piggy you know, because because that's what Saint Paul's talking about when he talks about that we're many parts of the one body, and all those parts have different um, roles to play, mm-hmm. right? But they make up the one body. So yes, and so and that ties into the next sort of corollary I want to talk about, and that is that essentially that we're dealing with individuals. Like we're we're dealing with individuals, so this little boy is throwing back individual starfish. Well, each each one of those starfish, we don't know their individual story, but they got one, right? Right? Each one is an individual, and and the reality is, um, the most beneficial kind of evangelizing that I think I've encountered is one on one evangelizing. So a lot of times I've, I've, I guess I've encountered some people along the way on some of these big uh, speaker tours and whatnot. You people go on and, and there's something to be said about that when a parish has a mission or something and you bring in a big speaker and everybody shows up to hear father so-and-so or deacon so-and-so um and there's some good stuff there certainly uh, and a good and a good message but that's really like sort of a broadcasting mm-hmm. right and they're not really dealing with individual people on an individual basis right and it's not a one-on-one you may have a one-on-one experience like that really spoke to me right 
But the reality is when you get 50 people coming up after the talk saying, that really spoke to me, and they all say it in unison, you know, you start thinking, well, it's not really cookie cutter like that, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea that we're dealing with an, uh, an individual one-on-one, it just helps me to know that, again, my goal is not to get the largest audience, Right. I, I think it's wonderful that we have the Catholic Cafe and that there's a lot of people that listen. I think the count is up to like 13 people. We've got like, <laughs> we've got like 13 people listening to this show right now. And I think that's awesome. But if I set my that's goal, <laughs> that's right. they're all relatives. Yeah. Uh, are you paying yours? Because I'm paying mine. It's I hope you're not <laughs> including me in that number because I haven't listened in a yeah, while. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell by the way you're talking. Um, you no. Know, and at the end of the day, if, if my goal was to have the largest number of listeners, well, then ultimately I failed in evangelizing because right. that's the wrong goal. Right. It's, it's the, essentially it's that at the end of the day, and I know I've, I, I, we've all said this in some form or fashion, but like if that one person gets to heaven because of something that I had a part to play in, right, that I was uh, the conduit for God's grace in that person's life, that, that, that to me is enough to get you into heaven. Yeah, that's perfect. Right? You don't work your way into heaven, but you're part of God's plan of salvation when you right. do that. What I'm reminded of is the humility of uh, Blessed Solanus Casey, who was yeah, yeah. venerated, became a beatified a couple of years ago, an American saint. Uh, and he became beatified just by the humble work of being a doorman. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was greeting everybody, but he was the face of Christ for everyone who came in. And it started out, people might have been coming for some other reason to that friary, but eventually they were coming to see that saint who was greeting them at the door. Yeah, and so what he could have done was wait until everybody gets gathered, right? And you got like 500 people coming into the building. He holds them all there and goes, just hold on, hold on, hold on. Then that, and he says, hello, everyone, and then lets them in. Or every time individually, you know, he says, hello, welcome, you're welcome, glad you're here, love, love let me get the door for you. And that's an individual experience. Make them and, feel like they're the only person in the world. Amen. But you know what? And that's what's so beautiful. That's what, and that's, that's when evangelization really works. When that person says, you know what? I felt like I encountered Christ at that moment when that deacon or that priest or that person came up to me and they looked, in me, looked me in the eyes. Right, how we deal with homeless people and things like that. Sometimes they're not treated like humans, mm-hmm. and when you treat somebody like a human being, maybe for the first time in a long time, it has a profound effect on them. Mm-hmm. I think so, anyway. So we got more to talk about here. Uh, we've gone really long in this first segment uh, about our in our decalogue for evangelization. Uh, it makes a difference to this one, number nine. We're going to come back and talk more about that, but we're going to take a break. And before we take that break, I want to remind folks at home we got a great website thecatholiccafe.com also I'd love to hear from you send me an email deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and also like us on Facebook on Instagram and Twitter like and share our posts and comment on them it makes a difference amen brothers and we will see you on the other side of this break I'm Bess Drzymski and this is another great moment in church history just imagine what it would have been like to sit at the feet of one of the twelve and hear the gospel proclaimed firsthand from someone who saw, touched, walked, and talked with the Lord Jesus himself. This is just what St. Polycarp did as a student of St. John, the last of the beloved apostles to die. St. Polycarp was Bishop of Smyrna and a very holy man. As a member of the second generation of church leaders, he faced many new challenges, challenges even the original 12 apostles did not face. There were many early heresies, 
challenges to the truth of Christ and the authority of the Church. But above all, St. Polycarp was a man of God, and he faced these challenges head-on his entire life. He was a beacon of truth for the early Church. The heretic Marcion, who taught error about the nature, existence, and relationship of good and evil, matter and spirit, challenged St. Polycarp, demanding he recognize his heretical sect. Recognize us, Polycarp, he demanded. St. Polycarp responded, I recognize you, yes, I recognize the son of Satan. St. Polycarp was to give his life in service to the Church, just as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A very early document, The Martyrdom of Polycarp, tells the heroic story of his death. When in his 80s, St. Polycarp was arrested, he was offered the opportunity to save his own life if he would simply swear his allegiance to Caesar. To this request, St. Polycarp answered, If you imagine that I will swear by Caesar, you do not know who I am. Let me tell you plainly, I am a Christian. It was ordered that St. Polycarp be burned at the stake. As the fire was lit, witnesses heard a long and beautiful prayer uttered from the mouth of the saint. In part, they heard, Lord God Almighty, I bless you for having made me worthy of this day and this hour. I bless you because I may have a part, along with the martyrs, in the chalice of your Christ. As St. Polycarp said Amen, his captors stoked the fire. But it is reported that the fire did not burn him. It miraculously formed an arch around him, causing him to resemble what the martyrdom document says was gold and silver glowing in a furnace. They finally had to stab him to death. St. Polycarp's feast day is February 23rd. I'm Best Rozemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we are back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Yeehaw! So we're talking about making a difference to this one in our Decalogue for Evangelization. And, and just the idea of the little boy picking up the beached whales one at a time <laughs> and, throw, <laughs> and throwing them back into the water. Uh, no starfish. One but thing, One thing, too, in all this is there's a lot of relief there for the person that is evangelizing. You don't, you don't have to worry about evangelizing oh, see. everybody. That's right. And I just need to focus on this one person. Help them. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. Well, the pressure, the, the performance pressure. Right. Right. Exactly. And and that can be That's problematic. That's a big deal. It's yeah, a big deal. I, I agree because I think a lot of times people can feel uh, overwhelmed, uh, feel like it's impossible. Right. Um, I know that there are times when I have uh, like opened the door to my pantry and it's just loaded with food and you just stand there for like an hour and a half trying to figure out what to eat because there's just right. so much. It's like you just you, there's like you just can't. It's too much pressure. It's a, it's a block. Right. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? Where do I start? You know, right. how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So mm-hmm. how do you finish your pantry off? And so when you evangelize, if you're thinking the same way, right, just one bite at a time, I'm just going to move forward. And this is like this person that the Lord has put before me, that's, it's, an, it's important that I, that I deal here. And you're right. I think that takes a lot of the pressure off. Right. Right. Because everyone loves to sit around a table and say, you know, especially if you're one of our Reformed brothers and sisters, you might be tempted to say how many people got saved at the camping trip or whatever, right. uh, the retreat or whatever you were at on over the weekend. 847 people. Right. Well, that's awesome. 847 people. I mean, really? 
But was was there one where it like just man, it just melted your heart, and you knew you just knew the Holy Spirit was present there, and mm-hmm. it's like that's usually what happens with me. Yep. You know, one thing that comes to mind as we're talking about this, I speaking as a guy who's I'm still I'm unmarried, I'm single. Um, something I've learned as being a Catholic bachelor over the years, you know, if you're sitting there and you're talking to a pretty girl, and there's sort of a chance for a flirtation in that moment as you're getting to know that girl. The natural thing is you want to kind of build on that and have fun with that, right? But one of the things that I've learned over time is to say, wait a second, in this moment, maybe I should surrender this moment to God and not just look at this beautiful girl and think, oh, it's fun to flirt. Maybe that's where God wants things to go because God obviously supports marriage and he supports, you know, uh, marital love and, no. and all of that stuff. <laughs> but at the end of the day, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you stop for a second and surrender every moment in every relationship to God and say, Lord, this girl's pretty and I kind of want to flirt right now, but I give this moment to you. Help me be the conduit that you want me to be. Help me to be the man that you will me to be in her life. Nothing more and nothing less. And it could be that. It could be a business deal. It could be something where you I have say, some we, vested we went interest. from evangelizing to, to picking up chicks. You're you know? well, no, but the point is, is that in, you're a good man. But when you have, when you have right, interactions where you've got a vested interest and you see that, lay it down before the Lord's feet and give him permission to change the moment and change you in that so moment. as you approach this young lady yes right you come up it's a nice beautiful thing maybe it's right after mass you saw right. her at mass you want to you want to move towards her and where there might have been a part of you that would want to go like how do i impress this girl or whatever you instead would drop down on your knees and throw your hands out wide and look up at the stars <laughs> in the sky and you would call out upon the holy ghost to come upon this moment to present this you know that what you do because that's not going to help your, your bachelorhood <laughs> <laughs> Look, I still turn Barry White on on my iPhone just for. You know, oh, no. baby. <laughs> no, but just the. I, I've kind of noticed that the natural inclination is to, to. The natural inclination, you know, if you're sitting, a man talking to a girl that's attractive, or the natural inclination if you're in a business deal or something like that, is to kind of chase after that thing that the flesh might desire, mm-hmm. right? And the point is, is. We have to be willing to step outside of ourselves and put everything in check if we really yeah. want to surrender that moment to God and, and that's let hard. God move. Yeah. That's hard. So uh, whether it's picking up girls, good Catholic girls, or whether it's like evangelizing, either way, you've you've got to be – it's not your goal that you're trying to attain. Right. Ever. It's never your goal. It's always you want to be – your your goal should be his goal, like the Lord's, right? You, your, your goal is essentially is to – Conform your your will to his. He's got some seeds that he's going to entrust to our care, yeah. to the best of our discernment and our ability, and we're called to share them to the best of our discernment and our, and our ability in each present moment. And that's what, what so it that's, all comes down to. That's a neat little corollary to this idea of it makes a difference to this one. And I think some other ones that there's still we could touch upon are one is I think of about the number of, of moms that have come to me and, and asked me, like, what books I recommended that they would give to their kids, what, what movies or videos they should watch, what tracks they should lay on the child's pillow. And I think about those things. That kind of goes back into one size fits all, you know, going, you know, and I'm not saying those books and tracks and, and, pillow, and, and, and all that, the videos and things are bad. They may give you some good ideas, but... There's nothing better than a heart-to-heart, one-on-one discussion. Maybe you can you can be illuminated or elucidated or whatever. You get some good ideas from these videos and the tracks and from the books. But handing them a book 
it's it's going to take all the personal stuff out of it. Mm. That's right. Right. And so that's where it's it's got to be that one on one relationship um, encounter, a, a relationship, right? And when you have a relationship with that person, it changes everything. And that's why also another sort of uh, corollary is like that's why people are moved by stories. Mm. Right? When you tell like this happened in my life, or how, tell me about how that happened in your life, when and we relate to each other. That's why Jesus used parables. It's why uh, even in the Old Testament is filled with stories, you know, with, with this rich imagery, and 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 truth are told there. But it's also about relationship because God wants to be in relationship with with everyone. And the reality is, if you're going to build on that relationship, sometimes telling the stories, right? Not just saying this will prove it. If I tell you this Bible verse or these Bible verses or this line of logic, it's typically not going to work. It's not necessarily because some people are like like thinking with the head, right? Some people think with the heart. Some people want a little bit of both or whatever. But the reality is, everyone is moved. And there's there's emotion and there's moving and there's life being lived and if if you're telling things in, in the form of a story like this happened to me let me just you know I can't tell you what's what, what you should feel but I'll tell you what I felt when this happened to me right it they listen that's fundamentally incarnational just yes like, that's exactly right that's, that's incarnational that's mm-hmm. why Jesus uh, I shouldn't say I know everything about God but why it's so profound and beautiful that that God would take on flesh right? yes. to dwell among us. To tell stories with us, to have relationships with us. And he wants to enflesh himself in us. Amen. And and Tom mentioned personal relevance, making it relevant to that person. And we did a whole section on making it relevant, right? Because that's, that's, that's unique to your conversation at that moment is... All of the, the the various things that are at play right then and there are unique to any other situation. Mm-hmm. That that at that moment with their story, your story, the environment, what's going on, and everything that led up to that, it's unique, right? So making it relevant to them and having that relationship, which kind of leads me down a real quick path of, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters are not wrong in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of things that we can learn where I sometimes will say like, well, when I hear the phrase "my personal Lord and Savior." is Jesus Christ. I'll always say something like, yes, he is, but, right? He came that all of us, that we might have life to the full, all of us, and right? And so in, we live in, in communion, in holy communion, in the, in the communion of saints and all these things, but Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior. He, and so it's a personal relationship, and we want to make it relevant to this one every time we evangelize. And our Blessed Mother is going to help us do that. Yes, she will. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and the the hour hour of our our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.